0: What's up everybody let's spin some yarn today I'm going to talk about uh, it being the chief season uh, I had a conversation the other day that as I was answering some of a chief selects questions uh, on some basically just asking for advice on what he can do to be a good chief uh, he, he's very very analytical guy uh, very intelligent Always preparing, always in the books, always doing everything he can to be ready for whatever comes, and he called me to have that type of a conversation. Just like as he, as he's been going through the initiation season, he's realized through just self reflection and then obviously the process. You're you're standing in front of a, a really big mirror with a, and the mirror's not afraid to tell you <laughs> where your weaknesses are uh, and shine a giant spotlight on them. So as he goes through the training. He's realizing that he's not as ready as he thought he was, which is good, that's like that's where his head should be at. So he's going into preparation mode because that's what he does, that's how he succeeded up to this point. Uh, and he called me up because he was worried that he didn't exactly know what to do to put it all together and make sure that when pinning day comes and goes, he's ready to go out there and be a chief. Um, very concerned about doing the job the right way. And so in having that conversation, we went through a bunch of stuff. Uh, I, I knew him personally. Uh, I served with him. And, and that's one of the reasons why he called me is he just transferred into a new command. Uh, and so everybody there doesn't know him personally, hasn't gone to see and deployed with him and and uh, seen his performance and seen him in leadership positions. So he was asking, you know, based on my context and what I've seen and how I've evaluated him. And we had a lot of conversations while he was uh, attached to my submarine. He wanted to know, based on that knowledge that I have and that experience I have with him, what those weak areas were, what he could do better, uh, et cetera, and then just to have the conversation with me, having that context on what he could do to be ready for this Um, because he's just taking it very seriously and he wants to do a really good job. He wants to be a good chief, which, as I've talked about a bunch of times before, I know a lot of people don't think about it. A lot of junior sailors don't think about it this way. The chiefs that you see, all of them... (laughs) with very, very few exceptions. Obviously, there's always a, an asterisk, but they all go into it with that attitude. Like any sailor showing up to work shows up and they want to do a good job and they want to contribute. Uh, all of the people that transition into the Chiefs quarters are extremely intimidated by that transition and they're very, very worried about the prospect of failure, uh, of getting to that position, not being ready and not doing it the right way and basically perpetuating the same stereotypes they had when they were on the outside looking in, Right. So they're going through this fear management process where they're just like every junior sailor has all these opinions, good or bad, right, of the chiefs quarters of the mess. And and they look at it and a lot of it, at least the impressions I've gotten recently are negative. Right. And a lot of it from a junior sailor's perspective is just like it's the dark side, it's the evil empire, it's whatever. And as they stick around, their their views will change through experience with good chiefs. Hopefully. Uh, I mean, I I think everybody with very, again, very few exceptions has experienced at least one good chief. And they uh, they kind of have that idea molded and it matures and it evolves as their career progresses. And then they're on the precipice of making chief. Right. And so they're. Trying to now join that group that at one point they may have hated and then that viewpoint evolved and and matured. And now they understand that there's good and bad and it's an uh, organization of human beings uh, and and that these leaders are all trying mightily to do the right thing all the time to take care of their sailors. They're trying to do the best they can. Uh, We don't always succeed, obviously. Uh, I don't think anybody will debate that. And if you want to, let me know. (laughs) It, and that's kind of where this guy's at. he's he's got this he's he's a lot like me in that way, which is why I was glad he called me is I have an overwhelming fear of not being prepared and not. Having all the experience or knowledge or preparation that I need to succeed in a certain role or in a certain position. So I'm a compulsive preparer. I do everything I can to kind of hedge my bets. Like I want to make sure that if I fall flat on my face, at least I feel confident that I did everything I possibly could to prepare. So it was almost like the failure was inevitable. Like, okay, well, I guess I'm not going to succeed at this thing because I did everything I could to prepare. Uh, it's just like advancement, same thing, right? If I if I study and I work hard and I do everything I'm supposed to do, then when that process happened, I mean, not anymore. I go to a board, but for you guys, right? Like, if you and when I took the exam, every single time, if I prepared as hard as I possibly could, then I didn't go into results time feeling like I left anything on the table right and that's not just studying for the exam but like the eval process awards I did everything I could I can't control what everyone else does I can't control if I get an award I can't control if I get an EP but I can't control how much effort I put in towards those ends right and so if I feel like I did everything I possibly could then if I fall flat on my face I pick myself up dust myself off and I learn from it so with that being said we had a pretty long conversation I think I was on the phone with him for about an hour I kind of wish I could record some of those conversations. It would be good stuff, but I'll relay it all to you in this uh, in this way. Is uh, We talked about a lot of things, and he, he was asking what his weak areas were, and we talked about some of those. And He it, he was probably in a, this, a similar place to a lot of first classes that are uh, getting ready to put on anchors. Um, he was had a lot of the building blocks, but he was also, because we're programmed that way by the advancement process, he was very you, I don't know how to, it, it's, you feel it's a selfish pursuit, right? It's you're pursuing advancement and pursuing an early promotion eval and pursuing awards all for you, right? There's, there's not, it's, it's a lot different when you're E6 and below, uh, when you're pursuing advancement, you're pursuing it for yourself, right? Uh, when you get to higher level leadership positions, your performance is evaluated based on the success of your subordinates, right? So, as you're on your way up, the way the advancement system is kind of programmed all the way through E6. Once you put on your third chevron, then it kind of tr- starts to transition. Um, but up until that point, you're kind of just programmed that way to to selfishly pursue all the things that you need uh, to get that EP or to get the awards or to, to do whatever or to do well in the exam. And so he kind of approached a lot of things that way, and he knew it. Uh, and that was we've talked about that a bunch of times as well. Um, I felt like. Based on the like the context of his uh, job on the submarine, uh, he had a lot more bandwidth to do more things that he kind of didn't do because his peers told him he didn't have to. And it was like, oh, that's not a thing you need to do. Don't worry about that. Like these aren't the things that in your career field that you need to do to advance. Uh, I was of the opposite opinion uh, for a lot of reasons. And so are some of the other the other chiefs is, is that to set himself up for the future and to show. All the junior sailors on board that he's not just a mechanic or he's not just an electrician. He's also a leader. There's a lot of stuff left on the table. and, And we talked about that a few times, not just when he was serving on board, but last night on the phone. But the big thing that we talked about was kind of the understanding, I went through a lot of the things I talk about in the podcast with him. Uh, we talked about like the motivators and how you're, you you can not just have one leadership style. You gotta, you gotta adapt to your whatever personalities that you have and stuff like that. And, um, and, and he kind of was like, yeah, no, I, we talked about all that through, through the initiation season is like, you know, we've, we've gone over like, yeah, I got to take care of my sailors and I got to lead by example. And I got to do all these things and act with integrity and blah 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 and he's like I'm trying to figure out how to put it all together successfully and what's the most important thing and like stuff like that he was basically looking for an answer on how to be a good chief and it's it's almost an impossible question to answer right because there are so many variables. Uh, that's, why, that's why there's such a giant market for leadership development outside of the military. There, I mean, there's an appetite for it in the military, and you see it in a lot of other branches. Um, I think with us, we're trending the right direction. But you see, I mean, there's a it's a business. Like, you go to a, a Barnes & Noble, if they still exist, or just go on Amazon, and there's just, like, countless books from all these different perspectives. There's podcasts, there's freaking TED Talks. There's, like, all kinds of material to consume because there's not one right answer. It's a constantly moving target. And that's kind of what we talked about uh, is that it's not a cookie cutter. Hey, there's a procedure for this. And there's one right answer. And that's the kind of that's kind of how he thinks. And that's a lot of the times how I think Um, I've learned to apply my bandwidth in different ways, uh, just based on experience and, and learning and development, which he'll do as well. But Then we got into kind of the he was like, what's the biggest thing then? Like, give me the one thing that, you know, like I was like, all right, man, if you if you do, if you take nothing else away from this conversation, uh, take away that as you transition into the Chiefs quarters, you are constantly representing us. Uh, It's something that I think we need to take a lot more seriously. Uh, The Navy talks a lot about ethics uh, and integrity, and I think that's the bedrock of this concept. But I talk to him about who we are, and and I talk to him a lot about what we are as an organization, as as the Chiefs' mess, right? You say that, you say Chiefs' mess, and a lot of times, like you'll see, just people eye roll or kind of just be like, "Ugh," you know what I mean, like. And when I say people, I mean junior sailors, E-6 and below. Uh, Officers are included in that as well sometimes, uh, especially junior officers uh, or, or officers that are more senior that had really negative experiences with some bad chiefs. So I told him, basically, you see things happening, right? Like you see chief misconduct. Like we saw... A, a MCPON effectively get fired. We saw a lot of covers of the Navy Times with CMCs getting relieved for a, a bunch of different reasons. You see stuff either on board your ships, submarines, squadrons, shore commands, whatever. You see misconduct. You see poor leadership. You see a bitter, angry, jaded old salt that should have went home a long time ago that's taken it out on other people. Or you see just somebody that's mean or somebody that's I name it. There's there's something going on that has caused that leader to go down the wrong path. And so when I talk to him about it, and even even if it's a maturity issue or it's a developmental issue where that sailor is figuring out how to lead still, like I talk about a lot, too, you, you just need to be as as conscious as you possibly can about the fact that you're not just representing yourself anymore. You're not just representing your community or your rating. You're now representing every single person wearing anchors to work. And that's an important concept because if we're worried about trust erosion, which I am, between chiefs and officers and junior enlisted, it's something that we need to take very, very, very seriously when. We conduct ourselves all the time, in and out of uniform, at work, underway, whatever, and in all things, right? And, and a lot of people kind of get this like weird sovereign sailor mentality where they're just like, well, it's just, this is just my opinion, or this is just me, or this is how I do things, or whatever. And it's like, you, you don't like it or not. You joined the Navy, it didn't join you. So now you represent the Navy, and then when you transition into the chief's mess, like it or not, you decided to stick around and then you advanced. Now you're in the chief's mess, you represent that. And so I bring up, and I brought it up to him a lot, where I had a conversation with a guy on Reddit about that concept of like a bad chief, like let's just create in our minds the the caricature of a bad chief, right? I made the comment of, well, that's not a chief, that's an E7. And he destroyed that concept uh, in in the thread that I talked to him about it on. And he was absolutely right where, and I've mentioned it before, he said, when when a chief says that, they're shirking responsibility for holding that bad leader accountable. They're basically just... Writing it off and they're like, oh, he's not part of our club. So uh, that's that guy doesn't count. Well, to an E3 to Seaman Timmy, that's a chief. No matter what I say or what fun euphemism I come up for for some guy or some gal that's doing it wrong on purpose or that has gone astray for whatever reason. If I just use that excuse and then they get to stay wherever they are in whatever leadership role they're in or whatever dusty corner we hide them in, they're still wearing anchors to work and they're still interacting with sailors. No matter how much we marginalize them and put them in the corner with a dunce hat on, they're still here and they still have anchors on, so they're still chiefs. They still represent the mess. So what do we do about that? What do we do with that? I have this this thing over there festering. What do I do with that? So... That being that example, right? Like, when I talk to him about what we are, I'm like, as a mess, who we are and what we are, you gotta figure that out. You gotta study the mission, vision, and guiding principles and actually take that stuff seriously. You have to just develop yourself professionally and personally, build yourself up as a leader and understand that in doing that, you're helping uphold this concept that we've created. We put we set this bar Of what a chief is. We decided what we are. And if we decided that. We put pen to paper. And we wrote the mission vision guiding principles. And we wrote the sailors creed. And the navy ethos. And all the things that we measure ourselves by. We set that bar. And if we're not living up to that bar. It's our fault. So it's a big deal. To. Keep in mind at all times that what we are as an organization, what we are as chiefs, you represent all the time. Whether you like it or not, you have to just completely data dump that individualism. Not that you can't be who you are because you as an individual bringing all your strengths and bringing all your weaknesses and bringing all your experience and knowledge into the mess is what makes us stronger, what makes us a resource, and what makes us successful as leaders is that I can draw on you. I can I can use you as a resource when I need help, when I'm in a place where I don't have that experience, context, or knowledge, I reach out to you, problem solved, sailor taken care of. That's the strength of the mess. But... If no one trusts us because we can't measure up to our own standards, then we find ourselves in this situation where people are constantly questioning the organization and constantly pointing at it and saying, why do we even have that? They can't live up to their own standards. Why do we even take that seriously? And that's the, those are the kind of questions that you're seeing, right? And it's because chiefs find themselves in these Predicaments where they're failing to live up to the standards that we set for ourselves. They lost sight of what we are and who we are. Right. And I just, I just shared again the, uh, who are you, uh, the Initiation Chronicles episode that I did last year, because that's where we're at in the season, right? It's, it's something that I, if you're a chief select, I highly encourage uh, you to check that out, give it a listen. Uh, it'll provide a little insight in going into, uh, the final night events that are coming up. Um, And uh, yeah, I it talks about that conceptually, like when you're going through the capstone event, the final night events, we spend a lot of time asking that question. Who are you and why are you here? And it's to get him to think. And it's to get him to answer that question and kind of have a moment of self-actualization, like, hey. I'm a chief. I'm chief whoever. Right, To say it and really believe it. And when that's accomplished, it's like that's kind of the moment of transition. Or at least we hope it is. Because we see the problems happening. So that's, we spent a lot of time talking about that piece especially. Uh, Understanding that... As you go through this transition and you and you go into the chiefs quarters, and it and it can it can apply to anybody, right? As you put on a new rank or you get put in a new leadership position, is understanding that new responsibility comes with it, and it's it's right there in the frocking letter every single time as a reminder. Increased rank, rank comes increased responsibility. It's not a, it's not just a pay raise. <laughs> like we expect more out of you now, um, and this one's a big one. And, and the only way. Because I had a lot of conversations, too, about on Reddit uh, when I asked that question, why is trust eroding? Uh, I had a lot of conversations about other services. There was one uh, person in particular that left the Navy, and I, I wanna, I'm I want pretty confident. It's been a while since I've read the thread, is a now an Army officer, and talked to me at length about Army NCOs. Uh, and how it's different. And I I have some experience. I I was stationed on an army base for three years. A lot of friends that are senior NCOs in the army, uh, real good friends in the Marine Corps. uh, Like a buddy of mine's a retired master guns that uh, went through the chief season in Iraq in like 2004 or something. Like, that's probably not right. 2007, I think. I, I don't know. I can't remember. But at the time that I knew him, he had been an accepted chief longer than I had. And I like he was, it's, It's a whole thing. I can explain it if anybody's got questions. But a lot of times you'll see other NCOs from other services, if they're attached to a Navy unit or they get the opportunity, they're invited to go through the chief's initiation training uh, when they put on E-7 for their respective service. So you'll see like gunnery sergeants go through. You'll see uh, Mash sergeants in the Air Force go through or or, uh, sergeant first classes in in the Army sometimes. Um, I've never met one of those, but if you're out there, hit me up. (laughs) Um, But yeah, so... The the basically just the differences in how they work, where it's like the uniforms don't change, and they don't get their own special place to eat, and they don't do all these other things. And uh, I understand that, and I and I'm still I'm still uh, thinking about some of the things that we do that separate us from the junior enlisted ranks. I'm still thinking about those things and wondering why we do them. There are things that I, I don't think I like, but I am not quite there yet because I'd be, I'd be flying in the face of like over a hundred years of tradition and, and there's a reason why it is the way that it is. Uh, And I'm still kind of studying that. I'm not, I'm not validating it by any means. I'm just, I'm saying I'm kind of still in the midst of going through the, I don't know, mental exercise of analyzing it and deciding whether or not I think it's productive or not. But I think there are a lot of things that are, and I think the organization itself that being the Chiefs mess, is incredible. I'm really, really proud to be a part of it. Even when we find ourselves in places that we don't want to be, because of all the good that I've seen come from it, I definitely think there's some warts that need to get burned off. That's for sure. But uh, and that's something we can talk about uh, at another time. I don't want to quite go down this road. I, I still have not forgotten uh, about the Reddit response episode. It's just such a giant topic for me that. I've, I've spent a lot of time writing about it. I've got pages that I've typed up about some of the stuff conceptually that I want to talk about, but it's such a giant topic. And so it, it's really just important to me that I, I get it right. And I communicate my points correctly. And there's still some stuff that I'm kind of analyzing in my head where I'm still forming my opinions or forming, like forming my feelings about it. You know what I mean? It's a really tough thing for me because, uh, this, this is so important to me, but, uh, but yeah, that's what I want to talk about today is just like the concept of what we are and being very self-aware that you are now representing that organization. It's it, You hear it all the time, right? Where You hear where like at a DRP or you'll hear like the CMC out in front of everybody at quarters saying, look, if you get in trouble this weekend, they're not going to say Karen got a DUI. They're going to say United States Sailor got a DUI, right? They, you've probably heard that a hundred times. But the point is, the reason why you've heard it a hundred times, that point is super accurate. Because that's what happens. Look around. It's it's something that I don't think we take seriously enough. The fact that you represent this organization, especially... Eh, I won't even say especially. I think there's a lot of sailors through every, every pay grade that still just feel like they're an individual that's punching a clock that they don't represent the organization that they don't represent some of the sub organizations right where it's like i represent the submarine force i represent the chiefs corps i represent my rating as a culinary specialist i represent a bunch of stuff (laughs) yeah i represent my family so it's it's something that it's very important that We understand that we represent that thing. Even if you don't want to. Because I say it over and over again. I've said it once on this podcast already. You joined the Navy. It didn't join you. When you volunteered to join this organization, you agreed to live by its principles. So, go read the Navy ethos. (laughs) Go study the joint ethics regs. Go take a look at some of this stuff and understand why it's important and understand that no, you don't have a choice about whether or not you get on board with this stuff. It's not optional. You agreed already. So it's like when we debate a lot, and it's not that you can't be a catalyst for change and you can't provide feedback and input. I'm 100% on board with that. I think I think by now, if you've listened to more than 30 seconds of one podcast, you you know that. But there are many, many Things conceptually that I don't think we take seriously enough, and the way that we represent the organization is one of them. And that I read something recently about how Marines, and I can't speak for the other services. I just I've had a lot more experience with Marines just because I have a lot of family members uh, in the Marine Corps, but and a lot of good friends. So the the way that they train initial session Marines, they come out the other end. They get their their uh, Eagle Globe and Anchor, I think that's what it's called, and they're the title of United States Marine. And when they're done, it's like that's a huge deal to them, right? Like that's something they take an immense amount of pride in. And I remember, like when I went through RTC, at the end of RTC, I felt, I felt that, I felt that they had built that into the training. Like when I got my Navy ball cap, I cried like a baby. I don't, I don't know anybody that didn't. At, in that era, I don't I don't know what it's like now, but then the second I left, it was not something that was built in, in the, in the rest of the, the training cycle. And I, and I don't know why, I don't know why that's like that. I don't know why there's not a tremendous amount of pride built into that and why it's not part of our DNA. Like it is the Marine Corps to have a tremendous amount of pride in the title of being a United States sailor. Why isn't it the same thing? It really should be. And it's something that I, I would love to see come back. And, and that's the type of thing we would need to do is is hardwire that in the DNA of our service, much in the way that the Marine Corps has. So you hardwire it into first to them being sailors. And then that should and could trickle down to now I'm a submariner. And there's a lot of pride. You put submarine dolphins on. There's a lot of pride there. So I, I, I'm not sure why it's not the same. But I'd sure like to see it get back to that. Uh, And that's, that's really it. That was the thought process. Uh, I think I'll wrap this up. If you guys need anything at all, ever, especially with it being uh, towards the end of the season, a couple people have reached out to me for charges. Uh, If anybody else would like to do that, feel free to shoot me an email or a message on any of the platforms. Uh, I did not forget about you. (laughs) I will get it out to you Uh, today. I've been really, really busy and I'm about to travel uh, because a sailor of mine made chief this year and I'm going to go head down there. But if you if you need anything as always hit us up don't give up the shit podcast at gmail.com you can facebook message us at don't give up the shit podcast or you can dm me on instagram at DGutsPodcast. Uh, hit us up if you need anything at all also if you want to support uh, I, I haven't put this out before but there's a lot of ways to support you can subscribe to it you can review it you can do all those things uh you can also you can go to dot slash shop Uh, We got some stuff on there. We got t-shirts, stickers, magnets, buttons, stuff like that. Um, It's not a for-profit enterprise by any stretch of the imagination, but it does help because uh, we're paying subscription fees for a whole bunch of stuff to be able to host the podcast and host the website. and I've got a whole bunch of money dumped into some pr- pretty awesome audio equipment so that the <laughs> the podcast sounds good now. Uh, if you go back to some of the older episodes, you'll understand what I mean by that. But uh, Yeah, so if you want to support, please do that. Uh, it, it helps. Uh, it allows me to use that money to pay the subscription fees and everything else instead of coming out of pocket, but... Uh, I mean, I'm going to keep doing it, but (laughs) it helps. Uh, So if you want to support, please do that. And that's it. Thank you so much for listening, and don't give up the ship.